In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken by her, by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly and has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, thank you for the words of our mothers in righteousness those who bring the energy of love and care and justice. May we nurture the seeds planted in us during these times of growth and waiting so that we might allow them to nourish when the time comes so that we are born in a new way. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today is the day, finally, we get to talk about Mary. There's something about Mary. You know, I said last week that John the Baptist, as much as he fascinates me, he intimidates me, and I would not necessarily put him high on my list of those folks living or deceased that you'd invite to dinner. He's, he's pretty far down there. But Mary and Elizabeth, now they are at the top, along with Mary Magdalene, the Syrophoenician woman, and Julian of Norwich. Because perhaps, like many of you who grew up Southern Baptist or who grew up in a Protestant church, Mary didn't get a whole lot of attention. 
Or if she did, she got about as much attention as the shepherds and the animals that were around the manger. Because, of course, the main character is the baby Jesus. And so as, as I grew up, as sermons were preached about Mary, because they were sometimes, the message was usually carefully structured to highlight her obedience and submission to the will of God. Passively embracing what the angel Gabriel said would take place and being the perfect mother for Jesus. So Mary would get center stage even briefly because, again, no one was more important than Jesus to highlight her virginity and her obedience, presumably to be a good role model for us young girls and women in the congregation. Before they put her back in the shadows of the nativity to kneel, passively to look down adoringly into the face of her newborn son, always the one in the spotlight. So I never really knew much about Mary growing up, other than that God chose her to be Jesus' mama. And at some point, she married Joseph, because he was always beside her in those nativity sets. I did not know Mary's song, the Magnificat as it's called, until I was much older. And when I came across it, I had one of these moments of reading the Bible again for the first time. So new and radical and revolutionary was this song of Mary to me. And such careful control over Mary, her femininity and her song, I think is a disservice to her and her part in the story of God's incarnation. Because when we lift up the voices of Mary and of Elizabeth, her kinswoman, we hear the hopes and dreams of women across time and space, but not just of women, of all people's hopes and dreams, whose life experiences are those of marginalization, oppression, and also of survival and resiliency in the face of struggle and suffering. So when we lift up these women's voices, what do we hear? As Luke tells it, when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy, tap dancing like Fred Astaire. So that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the image on your bulletin encapsulates that so perfectly. So then Elizabeth starts prophesying, pronouncing blessings upon Mary, upon the child in her womb, and upon them both. For both of them believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. They both believed that with God all things are possible. That a woman who in her younger years was unable to conceive and had now passed menopause, and a virgin would be giving birth. And in so, with their children, transforming the world into God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And in response to this blessing from Elizabeth, Mary begins to sing a song that I believe she carried deep within her bones. She did not make it up as she went along. She was singing a song that perhaps had been passed on in pieces to her by her mother, a song of redemption 
that generations of strong, empowered, and spirit-filled women had sung to keep their own hopes alive and to describe a better world, God's world, to their children. Mary's song is, in fact, very similar to another song sung by another mother whose son would also grow up to teach and lead Israel as a prophet. In 1 Samuel, in the Hebrew scriptures, Hannah is a wife whose prayer for a child is finally answered when she gives birth to Samuel, who would grow up to be a prophet, an advisor to the first kings of Israel, to Saul and then David. It is Hannah who first sings, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. Hannah praises God, proclaiming there is no holy one like the Lord. And then she sings about the God of Israel capsizing the social order of the day. The Lord raises up the poor from the dust. The Lord lifts the needy from the ash heap and makes them sit with princes. But Hannah, see, she isn't making up her song either. She's drawing on yet another, even older song that Miriam, sister of Moses, sang after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, the powerful Egyptian army, no more in the waters behind them. Miriam's song gives Hannah's song and Mary's song its basic pattern declaring God's triumph and liberation and taking special care to note God's enjoyment and tendency to defy the hierarchies and patriarchies of the world. So when Mary needs to say something about a strange action of God that will change her life and the lives of the entire world, she takes the songs of Miriam and Hannah that have inspired and encouraged and blessed generations of women and men to endure and thrive in the face of suffering and oppression and adds her song to the larger song that's been sung since time began. The song with a lowercase s that Mary sings is part of a larger song with a capital S that began when God sang creation into being. And all of this life is just an echo, a reverberation of that first song that burst forth from God. Notes and melodies spilling and tripping over each other, rippling out in all directions, creating, birthing, ending, and beginning again. And we humans, we just get to catch snatches of it if we're paying attention. And Mary was one of those who paid attention. On the doorstep of Elizabeth's home, Mary sings for Elizabeth, both of their babies, and maybe even for the bewildered and silent Zechariah who's watching and listening with wide eyes and can't say a word. This young girl, whose yes to God made possible the salvation of the world, sings about God's blessings in her life and about God's vision of a world on the cusp of turning to be made right. We hear it, and it's like Mary is carried away in this spirit. She's no longer singing the song. The song 
sings her. She's transformed into a prophet, singing about a world where the lowly are lifted up and the powerful experience what it's like to be without power, where the hungry are satisfied and the rich, those who expect to be satisfied, experience emptiness, where the least and insignificant people and nations are remembered and shown mercy. Mary pronounces the first blessings, the first beatitudes, similar to the ones her son would declare later as an adult. Remember, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. I bet Jesus learned those from his mom. What began as a redemption song of a mother to her son quickly expanded to become a song of a mother to the world, a song sung for every child, to remember that God has promised to be with them forever, to love them forever, and to give them fresh and endless life. So if Advent has taught us anything, especially this year, when so much brokenness, violence, suffering, and sadness has done all it can to try and crush our spirits. It is that this song will be sung. For it is our song for all of us. It's a song for those of us who have lost loved ones to violence, to sickness, to old age, for mothers whose children die at the hands of others, for fathers who are separated from family because of incarceration or immigration, for refugee families like Mary and Joseph who must flee terror in their homeland because of religious and political extremists or rising sea levels because of global warming, seeking asylum and mercy in other countries. The music for Mary's song is a melody buried deep within us, wound inside our DNA. For God has not forgotten God's promises to us, and is coming to us even when our world seems on the verge of falling apart. The redemption song of Mary sings to us is just a few verses in a much larger ballad of love, joy, peace, and hope declaring that God will triumph, and the world as it is will be transformed into the world God intended it to be. For we all recognize each other and Jesus among us as children of God. So may the God through whom nothing is impossible help you to be Mary's, you who are also blessed and full of grace, to carry the gospel into this broken and hurting world. For it is beautiful, and God pronounced it good. And may it be with all of you, all of us, according to God's word. Amen. <laughs>